Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. Appreciate you joining us. Hope you're well on what soon in the coming weeks. we got to fast forward several weeks, but soon will be Redemption Thursday. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. On Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. Hey, did you see that uh, uh, the, the Magellan device there that they've got going? People are obsessed with the Titanic. I've noticed this. Uh, it, it never ends with the Titanic. All right, they made a movie. We've seen 700 James Cameron specials on it. We all know where it is. Every time you flip over there on, like, National Geographic or something, they're down there looking at the damn Titanic again, kind of resenting the Titanic, oddly enough. I agree with you. Growing, tired of it. Growing up at Tampa Bay, it seemed like every day they would tell you, the Titanic exhibit is back at St. Petersburg's God, Museum. No, and I get it. And I thought it left, or I thought it never left. But they were, they, it's back. I'm like, wait a minute. When did it leave? The Titanic exhibit. You can stand out there. The stars will be arranged just as they were. <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> that was that was the <laughs> shtick. <laughs> oh, my God. The reason I brought it up was I wasn't interested in the Titanic. But what I was interested in is that they now are being, they're, they're sweeping the floor of the Titanic uh, with this uh, high-tech camera that can, uh, you know, find all the dead bodies and what they were wearing. I like that. It's morbid. That's, that's good. That's more interesting than the boat itself. They let's found find one all the survivors. Let's. <laughs> it's been forever. Um, no, so uh, yeah, more than a hundred years. Uh, Nineteen twelve, right? Was the Titanic? Anyhow, so here's the deal. Uh, somebody was wearing. I think this is kind of cool. Just an aside. I brought it up. A megalodon uh, tooth necklace that died on the ship. How about that? How about that the eclectic kind of out there individual? Like, hey, check it out. I'm on the Titanic, and I own a uh, Megalodon, uh, Crocodon, Megalodon, or whatever the hell. Uh, Somebody necklace. had a, uh, what do you think of that? a Pompeii dagger. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's Disaster the... followed them everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Megalodons were the fastest uh, of all the sharks, and they could easily eat like a uh, orca. Like, that's how big they were. These things are massive. Have you seen oh, the my. famous footage of the, the jaws people stand in? You know, like, if you go... You go to uh, any, well, really, any any of the uh, great, uh, what you would call it. So the one in Atlanta's got it. Tampa's got it aquarium? as well. Aquarium? Yeah, the, the the massive aquariums. I, I feel mm-hmm. like there was another name for the bigger ones, but I'm, I'm losing it. Anyhow, uh, they'll usually have these Megalodon full jaws that you stand in, and you realize how big those things were. That would have sucked. If you could be a fly on a wall for a time in, in, in the world's history, I, I think that'd be it for me. I'd want to go see the dinosaurs and the megalodons and all that other stuff. That'd be cool. Read something the other day that blew my mind. Mm. And, uh, thank, thank you. Carbon- 23 million years ago is when the megalodon lived, by the way. Yeah, carbon dating and so forth. Mm-hmm, which is awesome. But uh, we are closer to the Tyrannosaurus Rex in history than the Stegosaurus is to the 
Tyrannosaurus really? Rex? Really? So they were there that long. Oh. Well, that makes you realize on a clock, and we were we've been here for like five seconds. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, and they were there a long time. Six thousand years, probably before that meteor hit. That's a toughie. Mm. If you're on the other side of the globe, you're like, what was that? Your death. Your death. It's approaching. <laughs> yeah. So, by the way, that's just, it's amazing, right? So this this thing, the Magellan, uh, goes around the bottom. Like, a hundred things have been called the Magellan. Uh, go along the bottom there, and they're like, look at that. It's a Megalodon tooth necklace. Now they can check the records. Be like, Susan Smith from Aberdeen. I made that up. But there you go. Good guess. She's the one. She's the one. When is Susan going to make a comeback as a name? I know a few Susans. It's been a minute since we've met a new Susan. You know, Sus, but not Susan. Yeah. I don't like the name. No? No. Not a big fan? Not a big fan. No. Hey, let's welcome our friends from Zaxby's aboard. Hey, how about that? We lead in with the Megalodon conversation. Seems like everyone's got a chicken sandwich, so how do you know which one you want to try? Luckily, one sandwich towers above all the others in size and in deliciousness. It's a fun word to say. Deliciousness. Delicious itself is a fun word to say. Zaxby's signature signature sandwich. It's an extra large hand-breaded filet, three thick cut pit. Oh, look at the size of these pickle chips. They're huge. They are. Thick cut on a split-top bun. Comes with your choice of Zach sauce or spicy Zach sauce. It's delicious. It's only at your neighborhood Tallahassee Zaxby's. It's huge, huge sandwich. Your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years, going on 19 years, going old. Yeah, and uh, that is the taste of football season. We've come to expect that mm -hmm. from our friends at Zaxby's, and it is delightful. The uh, the giant trays to take home. I'm going to start football season a little early, I think. Yeah, you enter into heavy season. Yeah, that's right. A little early. Yeah, it's, but then it's you, Sunday, it's you're like, so ah. delicious, yeah. What am I going to do for food? Oh, yeah, we got the giant tray of Zaxby's fingers. Throw a couple in the toaster oven, you're all set. So I saw in the chat before we went to break, I think James B. made note of the fact that uh, Bill Connolly wrote an article that promoted some sort of uh, FSU to the Big East with somebody else type thing. And the funny thing about that is, um, Big East. Well, now, so listen. Here's the, the the real article that Connolly wrote was were all these suggestions for realignment, um, and it made me laugh because it's not something that's going to happen. It's outside the box ideas to get college conference realignment right. And he writes, college football's great realignment has been on pause in recent months. After the seismic moves we saw in recent summers, Oklahoma and Texas announcing they were joining the SEC, USC, and UCLA announcing they were joining the Big Ten. There aren't all that many conceivable earthquakes remaining, but with the ACC unsettled, members of the Pac-12 continuing to wait and wait and wait for numbers on a new media, media deal, and the Big 12 looking to do something bold, Discontent and uncertainty are at high levels. With the ACC's long grant of rights deal still legally impen impenetrable, he says. I don't think so. Is that right? At, and then he writes, at the moment. Yeah. And therefore, the thought of ACC programs, programs leaving for another conference remaining unrealistic in the short term. The next if-then moment is pretty well understood. I'll tell you what I understand, Bill, and I feel for you. Your bosses said, hey, write an article. Make it up out of thin air about realignment because we've got nothing. It's June. 
We got nothing, Bill. We want I need you, something. We want you to go Kuiper McShay on this one, Bill. You think you can I do it? I can't do it, guys. It's not why you brought me in. Why? Why do I have to do this? Just do it. We got nothing. What if we had an article where the Big Ten and the SEC trade two programs? So it's an even two-for-two two trade. How would it look? Who yeah. would it be? So that's what he did, and he wrote this article, and it's you can go and enjoy the uh, – the fun he had with this, but it is all in theory and it's all, you know, theoretical moves that could be interesting. Anybody can do that. I'm not knocking him. I'm sure he was tasked with the responsibility of doing that. And so what he wrote was colleague David Hale had an excellent Twitter thread recently about the ACC's current conundrum because of the way realignment works and because there's no such thing as alliances or loyalty in the realignment process. That part's true. The ACC basically has no strong options when it comes to preventing any of its teams from leaving for the Big Ten or the SEC if the opportunity would arise. A success-driven revenue model can help a smidge, but even the league's most successful schools will make a pittance compared to the SEC and Big Ten schools in the coming years. You can bend over backward to appease Florida State or Clemson, but if either gets an invitation from the SEC or the Big Ten, they're gone, writes Conley. That is correct. That is correct. Meanwhile, the biggest theoretical moves the ACC could hope to make are unrealistic. Notre Dame clearly isn't joining the league full-time. No, and by the way, our commissioner got played. Got played. They had nowhere to play during COVID, nobody to schedule. They would have been screwed, and we were like, come on, come on in. The water's nice. For this one year, you can play an all-ACC schedule, join the league, even win the conference title if you'd like. Come on in. Good times. It won't cost you anything. And their social media even went LeBron on the city of Cleveland to the ACC when they painted it on the field, remember? They took a pot shot. Yeah. This is uncomfortable. I think yeah. it's what they tweeted out, and it's a photo of their logo on the field. Yes, they made fun of us. And then, in addition... Played it to the hilt, and then when the ACC turned around just a couple years later, went, we need you, Notre Dame. We need you. We're getting kicked about the head and neck. We've got little opportunity to succeed without the power of the brand that is Notre Dame. And when you had to have it, who was there for you? It's inevitable, friends. Please join. Please. They went, hey, here's a picture of my ass. That's what Notre Dame said. The Jim Phillips. Oh, good one. No, oh, you jokester. I so does that, that mean you're in? So that, that's, that's, that's what happened. Jim Phillips is Mickey Rourke, the end of The Wrestler. <laughs> and the oh. whole world is Marissa oh, Tomei. Oh, my God. The whole yeah. world is Marissa Tomei saying, oh, my God, he's going to do it again. My man. He's going to do it. And then here he is, Jim Phillips going, slapping the arms. It's on the top of the turnbuckle. It's over. Here comes death. I'm going to get Notre Dame uh, this gonna, time. I promise you. Notre Dame clearly isn't joining full-time. There are no other huge brands to add. ESPN probably isn't negotiating its media deal currently to make everyone happier. It feels like any potential move is simple window dressing while schools wait for the grant of rights to expire. But what if the league changed how it defined itself entirely? What if it attempted to add programming and intrigue by merging sort of with another conference? And then he goes down the road of talking about, uh, you know, an alliance with the Big East. No, man. Maybe they could have done no, it man. with the Pac-12 a couple of years ago. There was a roundtable we did on the The site. alliance. Yeah. Your boy said, how about you just straight up merge? You call it the Coast to Coast Conference. That could have been something.
But now could have been a contender. The Big East. We're gonna have UConn football with us. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's it's fun. Um, you know, made me made me laugh. By the way, I just going back to Notre Dame, just abusing Florida State. It's <laughs> uh, Jim Phillips. Oh, Jim Phillips. Yeah, not us. Well, we get abused. Yeah, secondhand abuse. Yes. Sucks. Uh, okay, back to to what's more interesting from Conley, which was something that came out a week ago, and I touched on it briefly, but I went back through his post spring SP plus rankings and where Florida State is compared to where we were uh, a year ago and the year before that, and it continues to be the trend of remarkable change and uh, an uptick, not only production but obviously uh, predicted success over the next several seasons, which is something SP plus seeks to do. And Florida State is, you know, a team that was not in that 25 list of SP Plus rankings just a couple of years ago. They currently sit 10th, and they have, I mean, they 21.6. The highest-rated team is Georgia at 29. So that shows you how much closer Florida State is to, if you want to talk about the the, the, the best four, uh, Alabama on the bottom end of that behind Ohio State as well, by the way, at 27.9. So you're, you're etching ever closer to the elite, elite group. Yeah, there's a lag effect to this particular model. Mm-hmm. That's always brought up, especially when you're you know, trying to be the one that's on the rise. It, there is a, a lag effect. And that also will impact what they do with win projections because mm-hmm. there's just not enough data of Florida State being good for the model to say, oh, yeah. yeah, they've got it all fixed. That's where it is kind of an outlier. If we can finish the job here and make the college football playoff this year, it'll be TCU was the example before us of flipping something fast. And then we will. The The problem for TCU is how sustainable is it? It looks like we have a little bit more sustainable uh, elements in, in the equation for us in the future with the high school recruiting rankings. Looks like we're coming up on the blue chips. We're getting more of them to say yes to us. For whatever reason, we've been able to just abuse the portal in a, such a good way, and it's been sustainable, that you would say that FSU probably has more staying power than TCU. But if you're looking for overnight successes that the SP Plus and other models couldn't predict, TCU would be the first and we would be the second. Yeah, and to your point about how difficult it is to project a TCU to have done that and also sustained what they did, they're well down on this list. They're 20th, by the way. And I I tend to go a little deeper in these numbers. I don't care if we're 10th, 5th, 17th, 25th. I care about what we are offensive SP Plus, defensive SP Plus, and the trends in that category. Because in that category, for example, Florida State compares nicely with the better teams in the country. Usually teams that are elite either have, say, the number one or two SP Plus offense and a top 30 SP Plus defense, or they're balanced. They're somewhere where they're 12th and 18th, 9th and 16th, or something like that. And Florida State sits really nicely. For example, if you're TCU, to your point, since you're using them as an example, top 16 offensively, they can score points. 41st defensively, SP+, plus, not what you want to be. Let's move on up the ladder here to Florida State, who's ahead of Clemson, who's ahead of Oregon, who's ahead of Oklahoma, who's ahead of Texas A&M, Washington, Notre Dame, amongst others. Florida State is 19th in SP+, plus offense, which we know after this year will be top 15, top 10. And 14th defensively, SP+. Now, there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors in there. Florida State had some magical numbers under their belt against teams that really weren't any good at all. 
and on the wrong end of 45-3 to and whatever we beat Syracuse and Georgia Tech by and all those numbers where the teams did not score. And even in a loss, we didn't give up a ton of points to NC State. So you have several games like that that I'm not sure that it portends of defensive dominance. Uh, but but I also do think it's fair to say that they're much better than they were two and three years ago. Yeah, the one thing about— Obviously, people aren't just streaking free down the heart of the field as they were two seasons ago, three seasons ago. The one thing about the defense, I will say, is for stretches of a game, they will get empty possessions. Yeah. They will do it. They'll and, give your offense a chance, yeah. And they did that last year against Wake. It was a bad start. There's no Whoa. doubt about that. Jeez. And bad situational football. They're in, they have so many chances to get off the field, and they cash in on none of them for a, a huge swath of that first half. But then as the offense is getting its act together, we're turning in stops. We are getting stops. And if they do that again this year, let's just say they're the carbon copy of empty possessions versus scores against against good teams next year. That is to say there's a quarter or two that goes by against good offenses, and they're not doing anything. That'll be plenty. That'll be plenty yeah. enough for us to be in the conversation for 11 or 12 wins and a college football playoff berth. Again, we, we talked the other day on headlines. What is the number? defensively that you give up per game, points per game, just a simple metric, points per game that sees Florida State win 11 games? 24? I think it's less because you're going to be playing quite a few games that are going to bring that number down. Because If 24 is the average, that means that LSU's putting up a ton of points and Clemson's putting up a ton of points. So it's I'm just be- saying, no, but okay, I don't, I'm not projecting what I think it will be. I'm projecting what it would need to be. For us to win 11 games. I think our offense is going to be so dynamic and so dominant that if you were to give up, on average, 24 points a game, you'd still have a season that saw you win 11 games. I I can think of only two games on the schedule where Florida State will score fewer than 24 points, and they'll win one of those. I think the easiest way to say it is, what does their average need to be for LSU and Clemson? What does the average oh. need to be in those two mm. games? Okay, that's a that's more, it's a it's a difficult but fun conversation. Let's see. Sounds like something that could solve for the future. The future, and our friends at ISF, our partners, our collaborators, folks, we're going to talk about in a minute as we decide for what that number is. Hmm, that's a fun conversation. That's a really fun conversation. We'll have it next. Jeff Cambridge, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, Warchat TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply welcome back to the jeff cameron show sponsored by legendary home loans a mortgage experience designed around speed simplicity and customer service before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com.
93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Great song. Um, I say great song. Cut! <laughs> Not going to get nabbed uh, by those bots. Those bastards! Tom has done the feasibility studies, and he understands that we can't have the music in the background, or no, we're sir. cut just like that. They'll gank the whole channel, so no. Uh, I bring up feasibility studies because of our friends at ISF. It's a little bit of the work that they do, collaborating. Government agencies across uh, across the land, help them out, become more efficient. Let's do this thing. Let's sit down and become uh, a little bit more productive. ISF is an IT and strategy firm, have been for 40-plus years, serving state government business clients across the nation. All kinds of projects. I've given you examples of those. Here's one. Here's an example of something they did specifically. Hey, listen up. If you're over there, maybe working Department of Health or something, you may remember this. They analyzed three work streams for the Division of Communicable Diseases. I love oh. saying that each week. And the Florida Department of Health to identify potential for efficiencies in funding. Yes, we need to find efficiencies in funding. Always. Organizational systems, IT, all of it, recommendations are designed to assist the department in allocation of federal grant funds for increasing its capacity of disease intervention specialist staff so that improved operations continue beyond the specific grant. That's what they did. That's what ISF does. It's one of many things. They also collaborate with us every week to solve the future. Let's solve the future right now regarding the defensive uh, points per game and the two specific games you mentioned. I think the two things there. Number one, if you said, what the hell did Jeff just say? That's why you have ISF. Like whatever that those things are, and you're like, I, I don't know these multi-syllabic words. Mm. I've got things to do with legislature. I've got things to do with local law. How do I get around these things? Well, not around them. How do I get through them efficiently? That's what they do. The other thing is efficiencies and funding to call back to the first hour. Clark does not understand what that means. Does not. Bryce understand understands what that means. Efficiencies. Well, actually, I would say Bryce doesn't either. He saves every penny and never uses it. The other one spends every penny, never saves it. Somewhere in between, guys. We collect the money. We use the money for things that better our lives, or in this case, better systems. We don't just hold on to it, put it under the bed like it's 1870. Let's go. Uh, P. Simpson, you're right. Let's solve for that ass. And I would tell you that... Um, the LSU game is the hardest one to predict. More difficult than Clemson. More difficult than Clemson. Yes, especially now that LSU broke out air-conditioned helmets. Saw that and thought to myself, these soft bastards. Mm. Mm -hmm. Back in my day. Um, I can't imagine. You know, you think about the Junction Boys and all this ridiculousness. You're out there practicing in sand spurs, never drinking water. Coaches were just allowed to line you up and kick you in the testicles as a right. test of toughness. Two guys die every camp. Yeah, they're like, well, they didn't back then because they were outside year-round. There was nothing to do inside, so you got out of the damn house. You were used to the heat. But the point is, <laughs> we've gone from the extremes one way to the extremes the other. It is absurd to me that folks might be wearing helmets in the future, very near future, across the land that are indeed air-conditioned. Come on, man. I'm jealous of that. I did not have air-conditioned helmets. But also, I think to myself, it takes away the advantage. The advantage of being in the South, playing in the ungodly heat. Well, perhaps Brian Kelly can put one on to cure him when he looks purple. 
the shade of the sh- shirt that he's wearing for LSU. He's going to be pissed off at his the defense. Alabama Slammer. The Slammer is going to be pissed off at his defense that Sunday night. We know that. I think that game is infinitely fascinating. I um, I have a hard time. I have a hard time predicting how this game's going to go. I just think it's going to be a riveting game. The nation, it's it's good that we'll be in that game. I have a feeling it's going to be down to the wire. We're all going to be stressed beyond reason. It's going to be a one-possession game with five minutes to play. Both teams are going to look electrifying. I don't think either defense, and I think LSU's going to have a good defense this year, and I think Florida State's defense is going to be better than it was a year ago for obvious reasons, but I don't think either defense are going to get enough stops for our liking. Yeah, the hard part is, as dynamic as our offense is, they do have Mason Smith back. Yeah, it sucks. I'm really uh, worried about that. I hate it. This kid named Harold Perkins became a thing. A superstar. A few weeks after we were done, it was, oh, so that guy's the best defender in the country? Well, he's that- a freaking freshman a year ago. Now he's a nut. Uh, yes, exactly. So the middle of that defense will be an issue. The good news is this is where it gets fascinating. I know that we're talking about how much will the defense give up in order for us to win two critical games. But you just think about, all right, let's put Harold Perkins in conflict with Jaheim Bell and Biscuit and Kyle Morlock. Oh, yeah, no, we have options. Real options. Here's a here's a sample of how Florida, uh, excuse me, post Florida State, how LSU's offense operated, and it just got better and better and better. And really, one of the reasons it got better was uh, Boutte, Booty, and you know neighbors and those guys stopped being bitches, stopped complaining all the time, and complaining every time the opportunity presented itself when they got online after a game and didn't get nine catches, cried about the offense, cried about the quarterback, cried about the offensive coordinator. Once they woke up and stopped being soft and started to play hard, it changed. Imagine that. Well, Boutte had one hit him in the hand. Well, he's a crybaby. They all were. They were ridiculous. But by season's end, they were really good. Look alive, young man. They bothered to care. They were bought in finally. I just think they didn't believe in Daniels. And I understand coming into the year you might not believe in Daniels. But, man, after a while, there was enough proof that he was good enough. Make a play. Here's here's what LSU did after our game, in which they lost 24-23. And their leading receiver in that game was Jenkins, and he had 46 receiving yards. We're not holding anybody to 46 this time around, I don't think. But here you go. They scored 65, 31, 38, 40, 45, 45, 44, 32, 41, 38, and 50. Or 30. Sorry, 30 at the end. Uh, that's a lot. A lot of points in the bulk of an SEC schedule. They have one outlier. It's the ass kicking they took against Tennessee. That's the one outlier. Out of nowhere, for some reason, they gave up 40 and scored 13. I don't know what the hell happened there. But they had a tough day at the office. And that game was in Baton Rouge. Those fans must have been like, what in the world? But nonetheless, it happened. The following week, they said, well, screw that, and went on the road and beat Florida 45-35, to and then dropped 45 on Old Miss, and then beat Alabama. So that really was an outlier. It was a really weird trade. If I had told you, <laughs> after they lost to Tennessee 40-13, to hey, they're going to now, in succession, beat Florida, Ole Miss, and Alabama, two of the three are on the road. There's no way you would have agreed with that. No, and they were fearless. There was something that clicked. You could see it. Uh, take shape. I think maybe when they realized, okay, Jaden Daniels is going to be our quarterback, and that's who we're sticking with. 
Well, I mean, at some point you would have said he scored a through for 279, 300, 349, 348, and 182. I, I, I think I think Brian Kelly was one foot in on the quarterback situation, and then once he committed to it and said, all right, we're going to build our offense, and this is what we're going to be about. Some of these inefficiencies that wouldn't work for me at Notre Dame last year are just going to have to be strengths and weaknesses. It's just they found their identity in short. It seemed like on offense. So since we're trying to figure out a, a a number here, it's interesting because you have to consider both sides of the ball when doing this exercise to solve for the future. It's not just that they were able to light it up offensively and we're talking about what our defense has to do, but it's also what did they do defensively after they figured it out. Well, they did a lot. They gave up. Here are the numbers on that end. 17, 16, 0, 17, 13. I'll grant you 35. 20, 31 to Alabama, whom they beat. 10, 10, 38, and 50 against Georgia. And then 7 to close it out in their bowl game. So if you're an elite offense, you're going to score in the 30s. True which is, of every yeah. offense in the country yeah. now. If you're an elite offense, you're going to score a ton of points against anybody. It seems, I don't care who you're facing unless it's Georgia. And even then, think about that. LSU scored 30 on Georgia. Lost by 20. Yeah. That'll hurt your feelings. It will. <laughs> you want the good news or the bad news? I, I think the average for the the games, the original question, LSU and Clemson, what is the average that you can give up and win both? I think it's 28. I think you get to a round figure of 28. I think we can get into the 30s in both of those games as long as you don't give up an excess of 28 points in either of those games. You should win both. It's going to be hard to do. What would you say the number was, 28? 28. I like 28. Uh, that's that's what I was kicking around 31 my 31 is pushing it. 31, maybe, might, could. 28 well, feel, th- feel very good. Think about on the road against Clemson. Give up 31. Mm, probably not winning that game. The thing is, I think both of those programs, Clemson might be a little bit more conservative. Yeah. But I think both of those programs want to move as well. So I think you might run up a total here. A little bit. I don't think LSU is going to play ball control for fear of our offense. They like their offense. They want to score points. Clemson might play ball control because they've got a freshman. But yes, I understand that he played a couple games last year, but yeah, he's got a redshirt good. freshman yeah. in the first month of his career. This is the first real opponent he's going to face. So there's pressures that come with that. Maybe you try to run the football, shorten the game to take the pressure off of him. But by and large, I think LSU is going to try and score some points just like us. So... 28 is a very healthy number. Clemson 21st SP plus uh, on offense a year ago. They were 11th on defense despite not a banner year. Somehow that defense with a lot of draft picks got moved on and ran on. It was weird. I think the LSU, excuse me, I think the Florida State Clemson game is going to look very different than the Florida State LSU game. I'm I'm inclined to think the Florida State LSU game is a bit of a shootout and the Florida State Clemson game is a lower scoring game. I think both defenses will play well in that game, and by lower scoring in the modern era of offense and rules in place to favor said offenses, I think that's like a 28-24 win for Florida State if they get it, 27-23 type game. I, like that, that, I don't see that being 38-35, 42-38, or anything like that. Which has the chance to be a more comfortable win? The better chance. Clemson, right? It's Clemson. Which I think that if you watch the game last year, watch both of these games, it was the opposite. Florida State outplayed LSU for the bulk of that game. Dominated most of that game and somehow tried to make it ridiculously yeah. close because they blew it inside the five, inside the red zone, all those things. Whereas we had our moments against Clemson last year. In fact, 
quite a few of them for a, a, a huge swath of that game. I think it was fairly evenly played. Lost in situations. And that's how it was insurmountable at that point. Oh, man. We, we, we were made a mockery of in the first half of the Clemson game. Uh, that really, really was frustrating. We, every time we tried to make uh, a push, we would do something stupid. And then yeah. right towards the end of the half, you get played, and it's just awful. Well, I mean, you got a fourth down. Somebody's wide open. You turn it down. Trey Benson cut back for some godforsaken reason instead of scoring on a play, and you have a sack fumble. I mean, those things are all killers. But you were able to move the ball on them better than I thought we would. Well, and we ran the ball. From a sustainability them. standpoint, yeah. yes. Outside zone, not trickery, not straight up outside I mean, zone. Straight up. Which, Again, we game plan well. This yeah. this team game plans, this coaching staff game plan well on offense. Now, again, not everything, and I want to point this out just in general, and this is true across sports, by the way, not everything is a coaching issue. You know, we as fans and in some cases analysts, et cetera, tend to look to coaching for all things good and bad. Oh, those are great adjustments. They really did a good job there. Oh, he's not adjusted enough. They're doing a poor job. Man, sometimes players play well. Sometimes players play poorly. It's not always the game plan. I mean, Jordan Travis played like ass against NC State. He lost some confidence. Guys dropped balls left and right on him. Frustration began to uh, rise to the surface, and they had a meltdown. It wasn't play calling. You got to execute those plays. You got to make those plays. Those plays are there. You got to, I mean, at times it is just guys not making plays. Uh, so it's it's fascinating to me. I go back, I think of this Clemson game and what's going to happen for us next year. I think we'll go in game plan wise ready because I checked that box in every game last year. I really feel like offensively i feel like i checked that box in every game last year yeah i think the i guess the you know the rotation for the defensive interior is going to help you fundamentally change the way that the game plays out we got run over last mm, year on defense yeah but uh, now that you have six or seven guys that you really like shouldn't be the case they should be second third and obvious all the time with our offense if you are getting to a point where the opposing offense is predictable down in distance that's what tur- that's how turnovers happen. Cash it in. That's yeah. how blowouts happen in games that should be a clash of titans. That's how it that's how it got there when we played Clemson ten years ago in their house. A lot of that was turnovers. Turnover on the first play of the game yeah. or first series of the game. Yeah. And then you have the Mario Edwards Jr. sack fumble or not? It wasn't a sack fumble. It's a scoop and score. Yeah. You got the Lamarcus Joyner interception towards the end of the first He's half. In the wrong spot. He's in the wrong <laughs> spot. But that's how it yeah. got to an avalanche. Oh sure. Without the turnovers. You're going to win, but you're not going to win by that margin. No. Anytime you have two really good teams face each other and it turns into a blowout, usually something weird happens. Big big special teams play a couple turnovers. Field position. Our thanks to ISF, who help us solve for the future every Thursday. They know you want to do amazing things. You have big visions and goals for the future. You work hard to move your agency forward while navigating all the unique challenges inherent in government operations. ISF works with you. They don't just spark out orders. They want to collaborate and get it all figured out. They're helping government clients solve for the future, and they're doing so now in their fourth-plus decade. Good news, ISF. Give them a shout today, ISF.com. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day. And I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking 
pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon-neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Another great song. We're on a roll today, Tom. Uh, had a weird morning. It's a great morning. We'll do probables in a minute. I'm in a great mood because tomorrow is Friday already. Just like that, and just like that, the week is over. Celebrate, everybody. Woohoo! And we're in the month of June. Yeah, we are. Happy birthday in advance, young man, Clark Cameron. Where is dinner tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know. I, he'll decide somewhere. We're doing a big thing on Saturday. Saturday's the big to do. We're going to uh, shoot each other with uh, paintball. Oh, really? Yeah, we got a big gang of guys going out there to shoot each other up. Where is that? Is it in town? I bought the tickets. That's all I know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So it's him and his friends, and I included myself in this. I said, I'm going to shoot people in the face. He goes, Dad, you're not supposed to shoot them in the face. Well, there's no rules in war. (laughs) That's the way it works. Throw it out the window, but I'm also bringing fireworks. So... I'm bringing pizza is what I'm bringing. Look alive. I'm bringing pizza. That's what I was told to do. So we'll have a we'll, we'll have a big to-do. It'll be good. Uh, the last time I did any paintball uh, wars or anything like that uh, using the paintball guns was uh, in Bradenton, Florida, and it might have been 30 years ago, and I did accidentally shoot somebody in the face, oh, and they were no. very angry. Yeah. Well, they tell you not to shoot indiscriminately, and I realize what kind of soldier I'd be. I'm just shooting indiscriminately. I, if you're in that general area, I'm firing. Old Tommy Gun Cameron. Hell yeah, yeah. So what happened was I was down in a ditch. We were doing, we were trying to capture each other's flag, and you had to, you know, obviously shoot people and get towards the flag, and they were up on hills and everything else. felt like felt like nom. So there we were, and uh, I heard footsteps just outside of the ditch. I shoot first and ask questions later. I'd be friendly fire, Cameron. I tell you what, I, I just jumped up and went, kick, 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 
and it was this kid. He was bending down to see if anybody was in the ditch, and I got him right in the face. Oh, man. Oh, it hurt him. It hurt him. It was great. Was he wearing a mask? Yeah, he was. Okay. He was pissed. Shot me in the lips. <laughs> He's swollen. It's great. What are you going to do? Don't lean your head into a ditch. That's like these guys on film that you see sticking their heads down in the holes in the caves. No, no, no. Yeah, man. No, man. That's uh, Amy. Yeah, my dad talks about that. Nope, not going to happen. He didn't have to do that. Underground tunnels my ass. But, um, yeah. yeah. They also had captured some of the Viet Cong, mm. and they showed they had basically these structures and Oh, yeah. Well, you can see the whole maze gates. of stuff. Yeah. And he's getting instructions from, it wasn't the DI because you're past that at that point, but whatever officer is telling him the lay of the land. And they got the Viet Cong going through the barbed wire and stuff to show them how it's not impenetrable. It's like, oh, <laughs> Great. Yeah. Have you watched on uh, Smithsonian Channel? I think it was. They did the whole thing for Memorial Day. It was awesome. It's been all week long. Uh, but they had the, the war in the Pacific, and they were the video footage of that. I mean, the footage we have from that is insane. But I'd be the guy with the blowtorch. Any cave. Oh. <laughs> Trust me. You'd be coming out of there crispy. I got no. Sh- I'm not checking on anything. I think that was uh, my dad wanted to be that guy, even for the bugs that they had in the jungle in <laughs> Nam. <laughs> Yeah, mosquitoes the size well, of humans. Spiders the size oh, of... Oh, no, no, no. Hissing spiders in Nam, too, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Hissing... They had yeah. one in his watchtower, and he said the guy who he was with killed it with the butt of the rifle. I mean, but he had to really forcefully do it. Get you! Somebody's beating this thing up. And then it started moving again. Oh, no, no, no. Nope, nope, nope. Yep. And on that note, we'll do Probables here in a second. Brought to you by our friends at Power Mill Training Academy. Powering performance... Equipping and motivating athletes focused on baseball and softball with very specific tools to reach your true potential. Hey, if you're a young guy or gal and that's what you want to do, you're going to go, uh, say, baseball or softball. You want to have strong fundamental skills. You want to uh, be able to get the most out of your abilities and have fun playing the game. And they'll help you do that at Power Mill along with the camps over the summer. So get signed up now and, uh, you know, feel better, hit better, throw better. All the drills, activities, and games to help you get better. PowerMillSports.com. Cue it up. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? It's already three to nothing. Toronto over Milwaukee. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go, Toronto. Press on the gas. The Buccos want to be in first in June. Kevin Gossman got the start for the Blue Jays. Remember when he was a Baltimore Oriole? Freddie Peralta goes for the Brewers. We got the Phillies and the Mets. That game is 3-2 Mets in the sixth. Tawan Walker, Max Scherzer. Fun game at City Field. Padres, Marlins, San Diego's up 7-1 on Miami. Nobody can see it, though, because of the Lost Network. Oh, yeah. I don't think I – I don't know how the, the rule works, Tom. I don't know how the rule works. You tell me if I'm wrong. Surely Greg Tish will – it's a no-hitter currently. It's a no-hitter for San Diego right really? now. Really? They're in a no-hitter. What inning? Uh, Seventh. No-hitter. Well, they finally crossed the threshold a couple years back, right? So, yeah. yeah. Rockies, D-backs, Connor Siebold, Zach Davies, Reds, Red Sox, Hunter Green, Chris Sale. Guardians, Twins, Tanner Bibby. Pablo Lopez. Angels, Astros, Reed Detmers, and To Be Determined. So look at that. Uh, oh, look at that, by the way, before I say that's a look. Angels are three games above 500. Whoa. Whoa. What are we doing here? You got the two greatest players in the history of baseball on the same team. You might have a winning record. They might go to the playoffs. <laughs> How about that? I don't know about all that. Let's not get greedy. 
And that is a look at those uh, those that shall reside of the bump. I can't say it today. It was fun. Good times. We had a good time today. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought we we were able to delve into a bunch of stuff. This is ready for that softball game. I saw it was ten to five Tennessee over Alabama to start things off. There is a window between. You don't have to wait like it's the ACC basketball yeah, tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Short of there being you know weather, they have the early session and the late session. We kick off the late session at seven, so there's not going to be a late start. But I believe Oklahoma and the great Patty Gasso are, uh, <laughs> are going to be the second game. I hate that I have to hate any Oklahoma program, but I do hate that program, that particular program, because of her. Uh, Life Spectator, you are correct. Jeff will be violating the rules of the Geneva Convention in his paintball battles. Yes, I've been known. Riley, thank you. You're testifying on my behalf. You were just laying down cover. And his lips got in the way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, it happens. By the way, one thing I do remember about the paintball uh, guns and the paintball wars that we had, you really are incentivized not to get shot. It hurts. It hurts like hell. So you're running around like like you might be if you were worried about getting shot. You're yeah. like, this is not cool, man. Yeah. GD bombs will be uttered. Oh, you get shot in the back of the leg, shot of the forearm. Seriously. Hurts. Stinks. Did you enjoy laser tag? Not all that much. Oh, really? Not enough on the line. I want I want to know that when I get shot, it hurts. Uh, if the laser, was it a two-story laser tag setup? Yeah. I did. I, oh, those are the ones. I didn't really like it. I was okay. I never felt like the guns were all that accurate. With a paintball gun, you know. You, it's a laser. Got that son of a bitch in the stomach. <laughs> got him. It's a laser. It's going to be pretty accurate, I no, think. No, I always thought they were wrong. I'm like, I'm shooting you right on that little plate thing because you have to hit oh, the thing. Now, the reader, I The reader I is nonsense. Yeah, I've yeah. shot many a man right in the middle of that reader. <laughs> He's still running. I'm like, you're dead. You're dead. I would have. This is ridiculous. Uh huh. So, were you laser tagging before paintballing? Whenever laser tag came out, I'm sure I engaged, is. but paintball is just better. That's what this is. So, you went laser tag and you said, this is stupid. I'm going to shoot people in the lips. Well, I want to shoot people and have them feel some pain. Like with the paintball, there's no getting around it. You're like, oh, my God, that stung. You're going to suit up with a sweat suit? What's going <laughs> yeah. on? Well, you know, I the funny part of that story down in Bradenton when I played, I played with my buddy Bill, and I didn't. I had never done it. I didn't know, like, it hurt, hurt to get hit. Like, you'd have a big welt and all that. So I'm wearing, like, a T-shirt and shorts like a dumbass. And we get out there, and they're handing out the weapons and all the paintball, and I'm looking around at everybody. It's like we're in... Norway in December. I couldn't, I'm like, what is going on here? That guy's wearing three layers of jeans. This is ridiculous. And then Bill looked at me and started laughing. He's like, buddy, you better not get shot. I got shot in the first 15 minutes right in the bicep. I was like, I'll never forget a kid, kid named Stuart shot me right in the bicep. Stuart. Stuart, yeah. Couldn't go by Stu. No, Stuart. Shot me in the bicep, but you have to go back, wash off the paint, then you get back into the game. That's oh, how is that works. how it works? Yeah, you got to walk okay. off the field. You're out of play for a while. You got to wash off the paint, then you get back out there. They also do it. Uh, uh, well, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here, but you, you you'll see the marks. But yeah, I'll be wearing long sleeve 
Just look out for the guy who has the American flag in black and white. Oh, on of shirt. course, of course. Yes. Good work out of you, sir. Good work, director. <laughs> director Matthew. Be well, everybody. Peace. We'll